Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business Show. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. Always love having on this program, Warren D. Robinson. He is a regular on the program. He's a show favorite, a personal favorite. Uh, I love his take on uh, all things media, journalism, culture, uh, politics. Uh, we have a great time every time he's on the show. Uh, he's uh, prominently involved in uh, the production of some great works on uh, networks like Oxygen and Netflix, and uh, he's fun to keep up with. In his legal background, he also uh, has a law degree, uh, makes, him, uh, makes him even more interesting in terms of what he brings to our conversation. His website is warrendrobinson.com, and uh, Warren, is there anything else you want to add? My, our audience asks a lot about what you're up to, up to because of what you do, and so you're, you're, yeah. what you do professionally is very dynamic, and so uh, people, you know, what's the, what's the commercial say? Inquiring minds want to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's far more boring than than people think, right? They, 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 they yeah, I can say the same thing about my career, <laughs> <laughs> but I will say uh, for any inquiring minds, I'm actually right now I'm currently casting for a new series that I have coming up next year. So if you happen to live anywhere near the uh, Atlanta, Georgia area, and you want to be on TV, you want to get paid to tell your story, go to my website, warrendrobinson.com slash Atlanta casting. And we are looking for some uh, great dynamic people to be on a, a new show. So you can go there and have your opportunity to be on TV. So are they, uh, do they have to be in Atlanta? They need to be, you have to be in the Atlanta area. So you have to be able to get to Atlanta within a few hours. So you can be, you know, within three or four hours of Atlanta, but you got to be able to get to Atlanta when it's on film. But it's got to be, you, you got to have a, a Georgia bet, I guess is what I'm, I'm asking. Uh, well, you can be Tennessee because, like, uh, Chattanooga's not too far, Nashville's not too far. So, no, you don't have to be from Georgia. Uh, you just have to be able to get to Atlanta within, I'd say, three or four hours. If you can get there, yeah. then you can do it. I think people ought to check that out. I love it. Always uh, love when you talk about your new things. The best way to keep up with all things new and Warren D. Robinson is at warrendrobinson.com. All right, something that is really new uh, is the ongoing debate, not the debate itself, but the changes in the debate when it comes to all things twi- Twitter. And, uh, you know, the, the, the latest are what are what's being described as the Twitter fouls and almost fouls, fouls, fouls. Yes, it, it, it's like the sound of a of a movie, you know, a mystery movie. Um, you know, uh, the, the, the strange records that are being discovered that kind of points to um, nefariousness in the way Twitter is conducted itself. Why don't you kind of give us some background? Yeah. So the Twitter files, as as you have mentioned, are Elon Musk's. Uh, he has delivered on his promise to release this treasure trove of information that he says details Twitter being complicit in um, shadow banning and quieting conservative voices as well as conservative stories during the 2020 election, the most prominent of which was, of course, the Hunter Biden laptop story. And so what Elon Musk has done is he's allowed – these reporters, former reporters at the New York Times, to actually have access to emails, to communications, to documents from the Twitter team that shows, really very clearly shows 
that Twitter was very active in making sure that conservative voices were, in fact, quieted, that you couldn't search for them. Some of them were put on what we call search bans. So if you typed in their name, nothing came up. Some of them were shadow banned, meaning that their tweets were not sent out um, to all the people that follow them or to mass population so you couldn't get them. The Hunter Biden laptop story was completely censored. It wasn't allowed to be shared. It wasn't allowed to be DM. Twitter, and this was all during the election, by the way, and we also know that Twitter had direct contact with the Biden administration, with the Biden uh, campaign team at the time, mm -hmm. who was saying, hey, we don't like these stories. Can you do something about these kind of things? That's why I had contact with the, the Trump team, to be fair, um, on different stories. So he has released all of this, and it is very damning. It is very damning, and it's very clear that you had certain executives at Twitter who were bending over backwards to make sure that they were silencing conservative voices in this country during an election. And most people haven't heard a thing about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and uh, you know, and and it's interesting. The only and, and the whole thesis here that we're going to try to get to because I, I I really want to unbox this thoroughly uh, because I have varying views and I'm always in conflict when it comes to social media. And so we, I don't know how much progress we make. Uh, we might have to do a follow up on this. Uh, but the, you know, the only th thing we have seen. And your thesis is is that this should be taken very seriously. This should be looked at carefully. And, and uh, the only thing I'm seeing from the media about it is that Elon Musk isn't doing it right, <laughs> isn't revealing it properly, isn't uh, you know it, it's critical of Musk. It's, it, he's such an he's be, and frankly a lot of it is his own thought, fault. He's not very diplomatic. Uh, he likes to be combative for combative sake. Um, I think, I think that, you know, I make up as they say, um, but you know, I, I struggle with this. What you're talking about is a very interesting topic. I have no problem with treating the social media like the New York, treat it as if it were the New York Times or NBC or any other form of media, which all has a bias. I think you and I both agree about that. However, what you're getting into and why it is important is a lack of transparency in the bias. I think most people know Washington Post is left of center, maybe even more left of center than the New York Times. I think people know that. Uh, Wall Street Journal is right of center. You know, that type of thing. I don't have a problem with them having those editorial positions, but I do have a problem with the lack of transparency you're talking about that, frankly, I never thought about before. And, you know, it's, it's worse than just a bias. Everybody knows Twitter executives are biased, right? We all know they, they, they lean left. It's not so much just bias. This is active suppression, and that's the difference. The New York Times may have a biased part, left-leaning stories and ideals, but they don't have the power to actively suppress voices, whereas Twitter does, and they did. During an election that could have affected the outcome of the election, it could have affected how people thought and voted. If there is court, that is, is at its core why the media should care, because the media is all about, it's, it's, it's bedrocked on yeah. the First Amendment and on freedom of See, the press. See, and I disagree with that. You know, I don't disagree very much, which is funny, because you are left of center and I'm right of center, yet we agree on 80% of what we talk about. is fascinating to me. Uh, but I don't have uh, any doubt that the New York Times uh, you know, silences people by not choosing their content 
to be in their newspaper by not choosing to be, allow an editorial by someone who's, who they don't like philosophically. They do that every day. You know, New York Times, what, all the news is fit to print? Fit to print to them. They do it all the time. The difference here is that people know that. They know that, that, that you know, it's, it's an obvious uh, cho selection process going on based on philosophy. That isn't obvious. That isn't obvious with Twitter, and that's the nefariousness of it. And it's big time. I, we both agree on that. It is very nefarious, and, and you're right. But, again, it's a much smaller scale, right, because the New York Times is, is maybe choosing what editorials to put, but it's their paper. They're a private company. They have the right to that. With Twitter, which has become much more like a town square, right, where you have millions and millions of people on there at one time, people are actively putting content out there. They have policies. Now, they're a private company, but they still have policies that they have um, consumer user agreements. That they say, hey, here is our policies that they're supposed to follow. And they violated that. In fact, we see from the email that these execs bent over backwards to find ways to say that this violated the policy. And when people spoke up and said, wait a minute, this doesn't actually violate the policy, they simply changed the policy. Or they would simply say, oh, we don't care. And so we actually see that in communication. And it's uh, social media, especially Twitter now, I make the argument that it's really much more of a public utility than it is a private company now. It has become a, the, times, the, the town square. It's become the way in which people communicate. Social media is vital now to our communication. And so when you have company execs changing policies and coming in to intentionally silence conservative voices after they've spoken to the FBI and the campaign, you got to raise questions about was there coordination there? And if so, that's illegal. I'm not saying there was. We haven't seen that. But it's very possible it was. And why were they doing it? Was their intent mm -hmm. to intentionally influence the election? See, this is what I expect good journalists to do. This is what the mainstream media should be investigating to see why was, what was the intent behind this shadow banning and why was it done during an election? And let me just say, if this were the opposite way around, if Twitter had somehow uh, banned stories that were uh, anti, that were, were anti-Trump, I mean, that were somehow going to help Trump win this election, mainstream media would be all over this, no matter how. Yeah, it'd be the number one uh, story every day for weeks. Yeah, absolutely. No matter how Elon yeah. Musk releases it, right? But because it's, it's Biden and Hunter Biden's story would hurt Biden, the media is acting like, oh, we don't want to. They don't want to admit their own hypocrisy in this situation because conservatives for years have told the mainstream media, this is what social media does. They intentionally ban conservative stories. And the mainstream media said, oh, no, that's not true. Yeah. Well, now we have proof it actually is true. So, boy, I, my problem is that I don't, I don't see it as a public utility. I believe it's protected by the First Amendment, which means that it has the right to have its own opinion. It includes Twitter. It, it, it can use those cliches of the public square, which has mainly been used by Elon Musk. I, I, had, I never heard the uh, guys there before him use that expression very much, uh, you know, because they, I guess they were trying to control expectations exactly. because it really hasn't been a public square. It's selective. But that, that's the First Amendment. I believe in the First Amendment. I know you do, too. Uh, you know, it comes out to an interpretation. That's the hard part, right? And so I believe they have a right to be biased. What they don't have is a right to be nefarious about it, to not be transparent about it. You know, and, and again, 
New York Times doesn't run around with having parade saying, hey, we're biased, hooray. No, but it's so obvious, right? It's so obvious by the selection, by the choice of content. Uh, same with the Wall Street, Street Journal. Why does that? Senator, they're not having parades about their biases, but it's so obvious. It isn't obvious on Twitter. There is an assumption that anyone can play in that playground. And clearly that hasn't been happening. That, to me, is the problem. I'm okay with bias as long as you're honest about it. They're not honest about it. See, and we will, uh, again, a, a, a source of disagreement for us. I think uh, Twitter and all social media has become public utilities, and I think they have to be regulated, much like television stations are in this country, right? They have specific rules as it relates to politics that they must follow. It is time to bring regulation in on social media and demand fairness and accuracy and accountability. They need to be regulated. They need to be drawn because otherwise you have a small group of executives like you did at Twitter, four people who get to determine outcomes. And that's the difference between the New York Times and anywhere else. The New York Times and all these outlets, they don't have the same influence. When Twitter chooses to shadow ban Dan Bongino and when they choose to silence and, and, by the way, they did it in uh, Facebook as well. When they choose to silence stories like the Hunter Biden laptop story and say it's Russian disinformation when it wasn't, that has a huge effect on hundreds of millions of people, and it very possibly affected the way people voted. That has to be regulated, and we have to take that more seriously than we do whether or not the New York Times runs an op-ed or not. <laughs> Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely have to disagree on that. But that, but that uh, again, I think that uh, they suffer for not being honest about it. I do think there's you know, there should be uh, fair play type rules. But yeah, I don't, I don't want, I don't want that to be regulated in the way it sounds. So it may be less, uh, uh, you know far reaching as it sounds. It sounds far reaching. You know, for me, it's like uh, skin crawling type feeling. <laughs> when you talk that way. But, again, one thing we both agree on, uh, you know, if you were to implement my approach and my views, you would say that that's a vast improvement over the way they do it now. You know, we both agree fundamentally this is wrong and this needs to be changed. And it needs to be, at the very least, honest players uh, when it comes to, uh, to what it's doing. So even if they were honest players, a lot of people who are independent thinkers, which is by far the fastest group of of voters in this country, is independent uh, thinkers, in my opinion. Uh, And we'll be talking about that in a future segment by uh, talking about uh, Kirsten Sinema, you know, as an example. Um, People don't want to have things crammed out, you know, jammed under her throat, and that's exactly what uh, they've done here. And I'd like to know the nature of those uh, uh, silence tweets. Were they, were they tweets that were inflammatory and potentially creating riots, or were they tweets that merely were persuasive to have people vote in a certain way? If it's the latter, and again, they're not transparent about it, that's just fundamentally wrong. I mean, that's fund- fundamentally wrong. And if they are censoring it, that, that and, and being transparent about it, that's going to make everyone rethink their use of Twitter, and they should. Well, it could also be illegal, too. So I don't think that they're going to uh, 
uh, admit that that's the reason they're censoring a lot of these election tweets, because if their goal is to influence the election, then you have some other issues there, um, which it, it, it appears based on some of the things that I've seen. And all the files are out there, by the way. Bari Weiss is one of the reporters that's released them. Go look at her Twitter account. You'll see. Um, these are a lot of – these are not incendiary treats. These are not – folks who are, are out there causing rights. This is just simple conservative talking points and conservative um, uh, personalities that Twitter said, nope, we're going to shuttle them, and they were not honest about it. And why were they not honest about it? Well, that's the question we need to get at, and that's why I take this back to the, the, the mainstream media here. It's derelict because that's what they should be investigating. They should be, whether or not you agree that Twitter has the right or don't have the right to do this. I don't think they do, but whether or not you agree with that or not, what should be of concern to the mainstream media is that you had a, a huge corporation actively silencing certain voices, and that warrants investigations. Why were they doing it? Who were they in coordination with? Was there anything else there? Instead, the media is not even looking into that. They're simply saying, oh, we've seen this before. Yeah. And that's well, the problem with me. With, we went way over. You always do that to me, by the way. <laughs> oh, I forgot. I control the microphone. Uh, <laughs> but uh, do, do wrap it up with some final thoughts. I, we both fundamentally agree that there's something wrong. And, uh, to me, this is incredible. People should really rethink their Twitter. Uh, final thoughts on what should be done. Yeah, you know, um, I, again, it's, it's, I think that all of us that are lovers of the First Amendment, that believe in freedom of speech, believe in freedom of press, we have to put pressure on any company and on any organization to continue to further access and to further allow dissenting voices because that's what allows us to think and allows us to strengthen our positions is to sometimes hear from uh, the opposite, kind of like us. And so I would just encourage you to continue to put pressure on media and on organizations to allow all voices to be heard. Yeah, I could not agree with that more. By the way, for all those uh, who are so offended by the fact that we had a president like Donald Trump, like me, uh, you can blame the media for the way that it attacked Donald Trump incessantly, even on things that didn't matter, that made him look like a victim and suppressed information that could have been helpful to him, which led to a huge population that has grown so cynical and so uh, disgusted with a media that's clearly agenda-driven to simply, yeah, well, screw you. We're going to vote for Donald Trump. That's how someone like Donald Trump gets into office, a guy who had no business being elected dog catcher, let alone president of the United States. It's because the media failed to do its job. Absolutely. You could not have said that. Better and and we will be uh, subject to that again if we don't kind of rein this in a little bit because you have a lot of Americans now who simply don't trust the media and that's dangerous. That's dangerous for all of us. Yeah, yeah. I've been in the media for over two decades. I don't trust the media. <laughs> One of the reasons why I I keep trudging along, uh, Warren. I I try to do the best, uh, my best to provide uh, some alternative thinking about about all this without that being crazy, which is the vast majority of the alternative thinking out there. It's a tough job, but I'm glad I have uh, sensible friends like you that help me through it. Warren D. Robinson, warrendrobinson.com. Thanks so much, my friend. Thank you. And Kevin Price. Stay tuned for more.